The Productive Woman, Episode 302. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I'll be sharing with you my conversation with author, designer, and women's leadership expert, Maho Molfino. You'll find more information about Maho, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 302. And be sure to check out the links to her podcast and uh, some of the other resources that we mention. And now let's get right into my conversation with Maho. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Maho Molfino. Maho is an Argentine-American author, designer, and women's leadership expert. She is the host of her own podcast featuring top female leaders, creatives, and visionaries, And she offers a leadership program called Ignite, which guides women to design and share a creative dream with the world. And I'm going to want to hear more about that. Uh, Maho lives in California with her husband, and I have really been looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Maho. Thanks, Laura. I'm happy to be here. For for the benefit of the the listeners who don't know this, it's took some doing for us to finally get to sit down and have this conversation. We were scheduled mm-hmm. to do it a couple of weeks ago and the fates were not aligned. And, uh, I had no internet for about three days and all sorts of things were going on. So I'm just really, really pleased to be able to talk with you today. And, and, uh, we were having such a great conversation before the, uh, before we even hit record. So, mm-hmm. I gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but uh, before we go too much further, maybe you could start by telling us a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think it might be useful for us to know about you as you and I have this conversation about productivity and uh, making a life that matters. Sure. Uh, I'm Maho. I'm a writer. As Laura mentioned, I'm also a designer, so I'm someone who studied design and design thinking and how we can bring our creative ideas into reality. That makes me very passionate and lights me up because I really feel like we need more women's voices and perspectives in the world. So I'm originally from Argentina. I immigrated to Canada when I was two years old and then eventually made my way to the States. So one of the defining markers of my life has been, you know, being an immigrant, but also moving around a lot. And so feeling like, oh, I didn't really quite belong anywhere. And one of the ways that I coped with that sense of, um, or that lack of belonging is I became a very good girl. You know, I, I, I did everything I could to please my parents and teachers. I got straight A's. I would try to win every competition. You know, I played piano. I did figure skating. I sort of checked all the boxes and did all the things that were expected of me 
in school and in family life. And that hit a turning point in my early 20s when I became depressed and just totally disillusioned by who I had become because I felt like I was playing a role. And I didn't, I felt like I had never really given myself space to be who I really was or who I remembered I was as a little girl, which was very creative, very passionate, very free. So I've been on a journey for the last uh, decade, 10 plus years of unlearning a lot of my good girl conditioning and mentality Mm. so I could reclaim my creativity and sharing that with other women. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm going to want to talk a little more about that because I know you have a book coming out on that very topic, don't you? I do. Yeah. I have a book coming out called Break the Good Girl Myth. And it's coming out with Harper Collins at the end of July, on July 28th. It's a, it's my first book. I've been working on it for three years. Mm-hmm. It's been quite the journey, the labor of love and sweat, blood and tears. It basically supports women in what I call the five good girl myths. So there are five good girl myths I've noticed or five core subconscious tendencies we've picked up as women that we need to unlearn in order to really step into our power and share our gifts and, and make, make time and space for ourselves to do the work we're here on the planet to do. Mm, I love that. And I'm going to ask you about that some more. So don't let me let you go without, uh, without us okay. talking about that <laughs> some more here in a minute, uh, because I think it's real relevant to what we're going to talk about, what we typically talk about on this podcast in terms of, of what we mean about productivity. And so I want to talk a little bit about that, about how you are productive, how you make a life that matters, uh, maybe some of the nitty gritty, the tools and, and techniques that work for you. But I think it's always helpful to have some context for that because a lot of um, what works for us in terms of ordering our lives is a function of the kind of life we have and uh, the the roles we play in the world and and all of that sort of thing. So as a backdrop for some of the conversation that we're going to have about that, tell us about what a, if there is such a thing for you as a typical day, what that might look like. Absolutely. You know, given the last few months with COVID and quarantine and what's going on at the moment of this, us recording this conversation, with the Black Lives Matter movement and riots, um, my productivity has significantly decreased. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just want to caveat with that. These days, I don't have a typical day. Everything has been thrown for a loop, I think, for a lot of us. And it's just good to acknowledge that. So if any listeners are listening and feeling unproductive and beating themselves up about it, like, Hey, we're living a very interesting historical time right now. Yeah. Having said that, one of the things that usually has really, what has really helped me, for example, when I think back to how I was able to write a book. So first time author, never wrote a book before in my life. Like, how did I get it done? Right. And for me, it's been a lot around understanding when my energy is at its highest point during the day. Mm. 
And it turns out I am just your classic morning person. I'm like early bird. I'm your lark. Like I wake up and I have so much energy and focus. And as the day goes on, my energy and focus starts to decrease, particularly after lunch, you start to see a, (laughs) what I like to call the race towards bed. (laughs) I'm just like ready you know, from lunch, I'm like <laughs> ready to start going to bed. And so when I, once I noticed that, I was like, wow, I really have to do my deepest work, the work that requires the most attention and energy from me. I have to do that earlier on in the day. Hmm. So I do my writing in the mornings and I have a pretty, you know, I've in order to write the book, I had pretty strict boundaries around the use of my phone. I would, I charge my phone outside my bedroom and I would not turn it on until noon until after I was done writing mm. because your phone is highly addictive and, um, it is designed that way. And so you have to be pretty strict with it if you want to get things done. And so, uh, that's been one very helpful orientation, like having boundaries with technology. So I do my writing in the morning and then I would have calls and, Um, any kind of social interaction, interviews, client meetings, calls, all of that would happen in the afternoon. And that setup seems to work well for me. Now that I'm moving into promoting and sharing about the book, I've changed that uh, orientation of my day uh, because now I need all my energy to be really going towards talking about the book. Right. And Mm -hmm. so not writing the book, the writing book of the book is phase is over. I'm in a different phase. And so I think being able to be flexible with yourself is important. So now, for example, we're having this interview at 1130 my time, which is like, you know, before lunch. And I would typically not do calls before lunch, but because I'm in the phase of wanting to share about Break the Good Girl Mess and wanting to uh, spread the message of how to unlearn the patriarchy inside of us, I have changed my, my day and my setup. And it's nice to be able to do that, to recognize that the, the routines and the structures we have for our days can be flexible depending on the season of life we're in. You know, mm-hmm. you know, so you're absolutely, yeah, you're in a different stage of your creative work, so to speak. So being willing to make those changes to your day makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, you mentioned as we, when we started talking about this, that you feel like your, your productivity has kind of dwindled with what, all the stuff that's going on in the world. And, and I can relate to that. I think a lot of us feel that way. And yet I, it sounds to me like you are doing things that are productive. When we think of productivity as, you know, having a list of things to do and just checking off one thing after another, that kind of productivity, and I'm putting air quotes around it, um, that does suffer when the world is turned upside down, when things are going on. And yet to me, uh, as I've said more than once on this show, a productive woman is a woman who orders her life in such a way as to maximize her positive impact on the world around her. Whether that world is, you know, the globe or just the world within the four walls of your home. And I think 
you're doing that when you do some of the other things besides just checking things off a to-do list. You are, mm-hmm. um, whether it's processing the things that are going on in the world around you, or, you know, a lot of, a lot of women have had to sort of reorder their lives because their children are home and they're having to educate them at home, which they weren't doing before. And you can feel like I'm not being productive because I'm not doing the things that I had on my list. And yet you are, um, you have reordered your life in a way to allow you to have uh, that, to maximize the positive impact you can have in the season you are in right now. Yeah, I appreciate that reframe, Laura. I think one of the things that I like about it is that it kind of gives us permission to like slow down and rest and, and do the self care we need to do mm-hmm. as well, because like that stuff is going to fuel the sort of high output, you know, traditional output phases. Yeah. And so I'm with you on that. I think if we expand our definition of productivity to include those times of rest, and reflection and slowing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I've definitely, I've definitely been in that. I think there's um, the good girl part of me, you know, I talk a lot about good girl mentality and, and one of the ways that uh, the good girl shows up for me is in perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talk about this in the book, the myth of perfection uh, is my primary good girl myth. And, it has really manifested in my desire to achieve and be an achiever. And so sometimes I can beat myself up when I don't feel like I am achieving as much as I could externally. These last few months, we've all been forced to slow down. And so it's just good to notice that part of ourselves, that voice that might be telling us, Oh, but you're not achieving as much, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and the pressure on women right now is enormous Mm -hmm. with COVID and the instability in the world. Like you said, like so many women are now having to play the role of teacher and educator in the home. And there's a lot of overwhelm. And so I think being able to, expand our definition of productivity, like you mentioned, and cut ourselves some slack and give ourselves a lot of self-compassion right now of like, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, this is just the way it's going to be right now. Yeah. And I think, I I just think that's so important for us to, it's, it's, uh, you know, anybody who's listened to the show for very long knows I end every every single episode with, with an encouragement, a reminder to us all to extend grace to each other and to ourselves. Um, and sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes we're better at the first than we are at the second. And, oh my God. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that probably is a theme somewhere within your book about the, the good girl myths is we, we are so, um, so hard on ourselves. Sometimes, um, we expect so much of ourselves and we are, um, ungracious to ourselves in ways that we would never to be, be to someone that we cared about. Absolutely. I cover that for sure extensively. And, you know, 
the other thing is we have been so conditioned for thousands of years to put other people before ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? And that's a big gender norm we've all inherited from our mothers and our grandmothers and our matrilineal line of learning to put other people before our own, at the, often at the expense of our own well-being and self-care. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're also in a moment of um, women feeling overwhelmed. A lot of roles are colliding. And the last thing we need is to feel the guilt of taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I know so many of my clients and so many women I work with across the board, whether they're in their early 30s or in their 50s and 60s, can still feel guilt about taking time for themselves, taking that, you know, they still have that voice inside their heads that might nag them and say, oh, you don't deserve this, or you should be uh, being a better mom, you should be being a better daughter, a better sister, you should be fulfilling your duty or role. You're being selfish. Yeah, you're being selfish, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so um, I think it's so important for us to reframe rest and self-care as acts of, as not acts of selfishness, but as a radical act of courage that we take for ourselves. Yeah, I agree. And so I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking about these things that obviously you've thought about this a lot. You've written a book that incorporates a lot of these ideas. Hopefully, presumably you have at least some sort of handle on some of these things. I think for all of us, it's a journey towards, you know, we're always trying to get better at doing, doing the, the good things for ourselves and for other people. So for you, I, th- I think every person's life is a little different, presents different challenges as far as being productive, getting the things done that matter to them. What would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life? You've touched on the fact that we're all dealing with the challenges of, uh, as, as you and I are talking, a pandemic, a, a lot of social unrest, um, societal unrest as we're dealing with crisis events that have happened that have brought, you know, long standing issues to the forefront. Those are affecting all of us. And we can talk about those too, and how you're kind of coping and, and learning and growing from those. But aside from those things for a moment, what areas do you feel like are challenges for you in terms of managing your life and getting those things done that matter to you? It's such a beautiful question. Thank you for grounding it. Like in my personal life, you know, I'll get specific. One of my deepest dreams is to write fiction, to write creatively. And what I have noticed in myself is that when that dream becomes really loud, I have another part of me, which is also like proportionally as loud and it's like uh, the voice of internal resistance, right? Mm. The part of me that wants to avoid at all costs doing the uncomfortable and deep work of creativity. Mm. For me, that really uh, comes up as distraction. Mm. So I will like avoid doing my creative writing. You know, I think a lot of people, artists can relate to this, writers can relate to this, procrastinating and also maybe getting enamored by new projects mm. and then starting another, pro- spinning out another project, spinning out another project. 
or if I'm noticing a part of my writing is getting really hard, I'll, I'll, I can see how resistance will come up as, um, oh, well, let me numb myself with some food or some social media. Mm-hmm. So basically some kind of distraction. So I think to answer your question, for me, what matters the most is, is expressing myself creatively and from my soul. And what I see challenges that the most is my own resistance. And the way that resistance manifests is very different depending on the context, but it can manifest as a scattered attention, distraction, maybe even a a voice that says this stuff doesn't matter. You know, this isn't, it's been done before. You know, we have these inner critic voices Mm -hmm. that kind of tell us, put us down. So that comes up for me. Also the excuses I might make. Well, you know, uh, I have I have to do this other you know I don't really have the time to do this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this 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 project from my soul doesn't you know it's not going to bring me money, so I have to kind of put it to the side and deprioritize it and and forget about it and shove it shove it under the bed. And so I guess what I'm I'm saying is like I think for every productive woman and every woman who's listening, if you really want to like bring out myself included, I include myself in this if we want to bring out our creative gifts and our deepest gifts and 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 align ourselves with the work that matters, we have to have a handle on our own resistance. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) The things that get, you know, the the internal resistance that will fight us tooth and nail (laughs) from doing the work that really matters. Yeah, that is so true. And the funny thing is that internal resistance we often don't even recognize it as internal. We perceive it as coming from the outside. Well, I can't work on my novel because, you know, I've got to do this other thing and there's all these expectations on me to, whether it's, I I always say that uh, it's never more important to me to clean my bathroom than when I'm supposed to be sitting down to write. Right. (laughs) And we don't, unless you are really being intentional about focusing and, and being honest with yourself about this, it's easy to say, well, I've got these kids to take care of. I've got, you know, a job I have to do. I've got, you know, income to bring in. And that's why I can't write or paint or, you know, podcast or whatever, that important work that we want to do. We tell ourselves it's because of that stuff out there when really we're doing it to ourselves. Yeah. It's the choice. We're making a choice every single moment. We're choosing to let those things stop us or we're choosing to see those things as outside of our control. Absolutely. I think that's really big and such a good point. And I put that sort of in the excuses bucket, Mm -hmm. right? Think about resistance. I talk about this in my program, Ignite. It's like resistance has many facets, has many faces. One of the faces of resistance is excuses in which we think the locus of control is outside of ourselves, just like you mentioned, and not within us. When really, for so many women, it, it has to do with prioritizing But I know prioritizing is like one of those words where it's like, oh, well, what does that really mean? Like, 
you know, you can say like ruthless prioritizing. And like, I can see some women might be listening to this, like rolling their eyes and be like, Oh, another, you know, time management tool, whatever. But, but I think when you go to the deeper layer of prioritizing, it's like, ask yourself why you're not prioritizing your soul's work. Yeah. And once you get to the bottom of like, well, why aren't I, you know, mm-hmm. and you realize it's, I, I, it's either one or two things. It's, I don't think I'm worthwhile or I don't think the work is worthwhile. Yeah. So you're having a worthiness. You're actually having a worthiness issue because if you actually thought you were worthwhile or the work was worthwhile, it would become your number one priority and you would make the time for it. Mm-hmm. Now I have a good friend of mine who is an author and she was on book tour and I'll never forget the story she told me. She was on book tour and she writes about following your creative. She, she and I are in the same lines of work. Fo- you know, she's a painter. So following your artistic drive and da, da, da. And there was a woman who stood up at one of her book signings at the back and, and got up and started yelling at her and saying, I have five kids. I have a mortgage to pay. I have still have student debt. And you're sitting here telling me that I need to find time to paint and draw. I don't have time. She was like yelling at my friend. And my friend looked at her and said, but do you have 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. And it was like a kind of a, everyone went silent and it was like a mic drop, right? Because also sometimes in our heads, we think we need to dedicate a whole retreat or a whole month or hours upon hours to our vocation or to our work that matters. But you can get very far with 10 minutes a day. Trust me, I've done it. Yeah. 10 minutes a day for the, for 30 days can get you a third into a novel, mm-hmm. you know? So when you find yourself making excuses, like, I don't have time, da, da, da. just ask yourself, but do I have 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> do I have 10 minutes to pick up my guitar? Do I have 10 minutes to work towards ship away on that podcast interview? Do I have 10 minutes, you know, to, to write that poem? The answer is probably yes. Yeah. The, the, and that's such a good reminder. And we've talked about that more than once on this podcast that, that you can get a long way just a few minutes at a time, you know, the, the, the old quote of the longest journey begins with a single step and you can get anywhere you want to go one step at a time. You can get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually finish a project with 10 minutes a day for a year. Yeah. So, you know, taking the marathon approach for a lot of women, I think about JK Rowling, mm. she's on welfare, she's on food stamps. She's got, I don't know, two or three kids. And she's writing stolen moments mm-hmm. on the train. Yeah. She's writing Harry Potter during stolen moments on the train. Yeah. So uh, she could do it. We can do it. You know, a lot of it has to do, everything has to do with what we believe about ourselves and whether we think the work we have to offer is worthy enough. Yeah. Oh, so much we could dig into there. How do you, you know, on a really practical level, Maho, how do you 
get those things done. So we, you know, we've talked about the challenge you face in getting your, the the work done that matters to you. When you come up against that resistance, how do you make the time? Uh, how do you find your 10 minutes or your hour or whatever? What, what do you do to get past that resistance and get that work done? I'm going to get so practical with you, Laura, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> um, I am a big fan and proponent of accountability, particularly social accountability. I think as women, we need community, we need friendship, we need sisterhood in our creativity. Mm-hmm. So, um, and in our work of getting, getting our work out there and doing work that matters, we need accountability. And so I think a lot of people underestimate the power of accountability and they put a, a lot on their own shoulders, myself included. I, I put, I've noticed I've put a lot on my own shoulders and think I should just have the discipline and willpower to slice through resistance, right? Like I should somehow be so disciplined that I can just move through re- this resistance and, 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 and sit down and do my writing. And what I found is actually what is helpful is when I ask for help and support by designing uh, systems of accountability. Mm. So that's why I moved because I was doing private coaching, leadership coaching for a long time. And I stopped that because I noticed even in the coaching client relationship, accountability wasn't as strong as when I brought a group of women together. When you bring a group of women together and we're all moving through a process and journey together. And if one woman falls behind, the whole group has to wait. Mm you're damn right. People show up, you know, people, when there is accountability, people get things done. And so I think really leaning into having a community has, has helped me so much. So for my book, for example, break the good girl myth, the accountability was my agent and my publisher and them paying me to get this done on deadlines, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of accountability around that. With my novel now, I'm part of a, a group where we um, meet together every morning and do at least 10 minutes of our creative project. And we do that for three to four months, you know? And I think opting into these um, groups programs to help you get those results. Like, I think that makes a big difference. Like you don't have to do it alone. And sometimes I feel I have a story that I tell myself that I have to do it alone or figure this out by myself. It's not true. Yeah. (laughs) It's not true. You know? No, I, I agree. That's, um, that's been such a, a, a benefit to me of finding small groups, small communities. I'm a member of a, a mastermind group of writers and, and that we meet And this particular one is, it's not one where you pay somebody to facilitate it. Uh, A couple of the women put it together and we meet every other Tuesday via zoom and hold each other accountable and hold each other up and uh, provide encouragement, ideas, brainstorm solutions. I have in the past uh, facilitated 
um, paid productive woman masterminds that I have seen such amazing results from exactly what you just described for a, a small group of women who get together and provide that accountability, but also that support, that, that voice yeah. of reason that says, no, no, here's what's, what you say is holding you back, but what about this? And we believe you can do this. Yeah. Um, that makes such a huge difference. Yeah. I love that you brought that up, the emotional support, because I think that's exactly what happens is women reflect back to each other. We, we can reflect back to each other, our potential, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, because, because so many of us grow up in, in a, in a world that tells us we're second place, you know, we're second to men and, and we're, you know, uh, we have a lot of messages that kind of wear down on our self-worth over time. We develop these inner critics. And so a lot of times the things we're telling ourselves are completely irrational, like you mentioned. And so have another woman <laughs> be there and, and re- reflect back to you and hold a mirror and say, wait a second, you know, <laughs> I want to just reality test what you just said, because this is what I'm seeing, you know. And I can't tell you how much I've appreciated my own friends and sisters who have, who have just you know, held up a, a loving, loving mirror to remind me that I'm being too hard on myself that I'm set, I'm holding myself to unrealistic expectations yeah. that my good girl myth of perfection is like really loud at the moment. And that their kind reflection has allowed me to step back and kind of come back to center and alignment and continue, continue to do the work. Yeah. And it is, for for whatever reason, maybe just because you're not quite as um, emotionally involved, another person, and where I think a lot of us are 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 better at seeing a solution for somebody else than we are for ourselves. And yeah. so when yeah. I am, I'm just at an impasse on a project, or I can't see around a way around this obstacle, or I, you know, I'm wanting to do this and I can't figure out a way to make it happen. Getting together with that, you know, whether it's one person that you trust or even better, maybe a a small group of women who can say, well, what about this? Or have you tried that? Or, you know, this, I had a similar situation and this worked for me. And, uh, they, there's just that, that, that perspective that's brought to bear that can make all the difference in, in us being able to get past the obstacles, external or internal that hold us back from accomplishing whatever it is that that's important to us. A hundred percent. So well said. I love that. So on a practical level, then I want to talk to you just uh, for a couple minutes about your book, but on a very practical sort of day-to-day level, are, are there any particular tools that you like or resources that you recommend for, you know, managing the, the sort of day-to-day practical stuff, managing your time, managing your space, any of those sorts of things, anything that comes to mind that, that works really well for you? I love um, Scrivener. It's a writing tool. Do you use it or do you know about it? Yes, I love Scrivener. (laughs) That's how I wrote my book. I wrote my book with Scrivener. 
And I just, I highly recommend that writing tool. Um, I also have turned off all notifications off my phone. So I don't even get the little red bubble that appears um, on the corner of your app. Mm. I've turned all those off. I don't get any notifications. I have my phone perpetually in do not disturb mode. So I'm a big proponent of boundaries with your phone. I also have my phone set to there's if you have an iPhone, you can have a boundary set in which you get an you get an alert if you've been you've spent more than an hour on social media, mm-hmm. and it kind of like blanks out the screen and says like you have um, you know fulfilled your social media qu- quota today, <laughs> um, and so I love those little. Um, you know, uh, productivity kind of, not productivity, sort of tech boundaries tool. They are extremely helpful to me. When I'm writing, I also have used a tool called self-control. I think it's called self-control. What is it called? It's some, oh, I have to, or maybe it's called the Freedom. I think the Freedom app. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, it's called the Freedom app. And it's a computer program. It's designed to, um, help you work free from distractions. You can block any website for a certain amount of time. You can say, I want to block Instagram, which for me is the most highly addictive social media app. Um, I want to block Instagram for two hours for the next two hours. And it won't let you go on Instagram for two hours. It's like locked. You can't get in there. And so that's been a great, great app for me. Yeah. I love that. Those are some, some great tools for helping you keep your focus where you want to be and turning those, other tools, your phone, your computer, whatever, back into tools that serve you instead of little tyrants that, that, uh, can control us. Because you said early on those things, social media, the phone itself can be addictive. It's so, you know, I think of that every time I'm sitting at a table at, at a restaurant and everybody's got their phone out looking at it and, you know, maybe we could put our phones down and just look at each other. And I'm as guilty as anybody else of, of letting the tyrant take control. But I like the, the tools that you've mentioned, put you back in the driver's seat. You're going to decide when you go see what other people have to say, rather than being at the mercy of those alerts and the, the little pings and dings and, and, uh, red, bubbles that try to tell us you need to look at this right now. Exactly. Well, Maho, I I, want to talk about your book briefly. We've, we've kind of touched on it as we've gone through here, as we are talking now, it's the beginning of June. As folks are listening to this, it'll be the beginning of July. Your book is coming out in July it's called Breaking the Good Girl Myth. You've talked about it a little bit. Can you maybe give us a couple more minutes of, you mentioned one of the good girl myths, the myth of perfection. Can you maybe share another one or two with us? Sure. So the book is really designed to help you dismantle outdated rules, unleash your power, and design a more purposeful life. And the way that I have set it up is five good girl myths we all need to overcome. I mentioned the myth of perfection. There are four more. And so the book is really helping you go through each one. And there's also an assessment where you can find out what your primary and secondary good girl myths are and gives you tools to unlearning each one. So 
they are, I'll just go through, I'll just list the five. And then if you want to dig into one, we can dig into it. So the myth of rule, the myth of perfection, the myth of logic, the myth of harmony, and the myth of sacrifice. Mm. Those are the five. And each myth sounds and looks like something, has a main strategy for approval, and then powers you need to reclaim. So there are the powers you need to reclaim that lie underneath the myth. Mm. Oh my goodness. There, it, it sounds so intriguing. And I'm trying, I'm thinking, I'm looking how long we've already been talking. I think you might have to come back and talk more about this so we can dig into it a little more. I, I'm guessing, do you talk about these sorts of things on your podcast as well? Yeah, I do. Uh, if you check out the Heroin Podcast, you can find out more about the book. You can also actually find the book on goodgirlmyth.com. So that's the, that's the book's website. So it's just one word, goodgirlmyth.com. And, and there I'll sort of explain more context for the book. And, and you can also find it, you know, at, on Amazon, Bookshop, Barnes & Nobles, wherever you get your, wherever audiobooks and books are found. But yeah, my, my, my intention with the book is really to support women and activating themselves, you know, because yeah. I think a lot of us have, maybe we've done what we've been expected to do. Mm-hmm. And now we're at a crossroads in our life. Like maybe our kids have just left the house and we're kind of reexamining, like, what am I here for? What is my purpose? Like, what do I really want to do with this life that I, these years, you know, these these decades ahead of me, what do I, how do I want to make the most out of them? And I think what's so important is that we need to, in order to, to fully step into that, we have to sort of unlearn a lot of the stuff that we learned throughout our childhood and adolescence and, early, you know, the things that got ingrained in us because so much, so much gets ingrained in us between ages one and 18 years old, you know? Yeah. And so, Oftentimes when I, I do women's leadership work, you know, some women think it's it's interesting that we go back so much to talk about middle school or high school. They're like, well, why are we going back here? You know, it's like, well, because these things are have implanted certain scripts and ideas and beliefs in you that affect your leadership today. Yeah. So you have to look at them, you know. Well, and I've I've often said that the first step toward making a life that matters a meaningfully productive life is awareness. Yeah. Uh, until we are first aware of whatever, whatever we're talking about, aware of why we're not getting our work done, aware of these thoughts that we're having, these scripts that you mentioned, we can't do anything about them. But once we are aware, then the next step is intentionality. And we can intentionally take steps to, as you said, unlearn them or, you know, do whatever it is that we need to do to, to move forward in, into the life that we want to have. So I love this. Uh, I mean, yeah. it sounds like your book has some of both of it. It's, it helps us become more aware of the unconscious thinking that is mm-hmm. kind of interfering with us living the life that we want to live. Yeah. And then you can take some intentional steps because you're offering solutions and not just, you know, pointing out what the issues are. So I love that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it when it's available. Oh, 
Thank you so much, Laura. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, I can't uh, end this conversation without asking you the question I ask every one of my guests. I mean, you obviously are very aware of uh, what you want from life and you're, you've been intentional about structuring your life in a way that works for you. You have the tools, the systems in place that, that work for you. But even with all of that, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? I definitely have those days. Oh my God. Yes. Where I just want to curl up in a ball <laughs> and um, go to bed. So I'm a big fan of a practice in yoga called yoga nidra. Hmm. It's N-I-D-R-A, yoga nidra. And some people might know it as progressive body relaxation. So if I'm really stressed, and I get, because what happens when I get really stressed and overwhelmed is I get a little tired. I get cranky and I get tired. And what I do is I'll take a little, what I, it's like a little yoga nap. I'll take a little yoga nap and I'll just lie down on my back and do a guided progressive body relaxation where I'll scan my body and relax my, my arm, relax my leg, relax. And I'll, tr I'll, tr I'll do my best through that rest to trigger my relaxation response which is the opposite of your stress response mm -hmm. and then I kind of wake up from that in a different mental state I'll usually be a lot more centered more calm and more you know re ready to, to to ease back into things so I really recommend those little mindful mindfulness naps <laughs> big fan I do them at least once a day uh, yeah the, the great a, a, a really great tool, a great suggestion, and something I think a lot of us can use. So, Maha, what's on the horizon for you? I mean, obviously, you've got the book coming out. What, and uh, what else is coming up, either professionally or personally, that you're excited about, looking forward to? Oh, I'm so looking forward for this book, baby, to be published. I can't even tell you, because it's been three years. So for me, what's on the horizon is like getting this message out for it. Cause it's, you know, with a book, it's a long tail game. It's a long game. It's not just like yeah. it comes out and then you don't talk about it ever again. It's like, you, I want to be talking about this book next year. I want to be talking about it. You know, it's a, I want it to be a classic in the sort of a woman's bookshelf, like a, <laughs> a book that a woman can reference again and again and, and be able to talk about these themes for a long time. So for me, what's on the horizon is having conversations with women about how they can unlearn the patriarchy inside of themselves and activate their gifts. Something very much to look forward to, not only for you, but for the rest of us. Um, Maho, <laughs> where can people connect with you online? If they want to learn more about what you're doing, or if they've got a question for you, where's the best place to send anybody who, who wants to connect with you? I mentioned goodgirlmyth.com. That would be like the number one place to check out um, my background. And that's connected to my website. So if you go to that URL, you'll be taken to my website. Okay. So recommend that. And then I'm on Instagram at Maho Molfino. So uh, Maho spelled with a J. So M-A-J-O. Um, at Maho Molfino is my Instagram. 
Oh, and then there's my podcast, Laura, Heroin, of course, <laughs> Heroin Podcast. You can find me there as well. And we will put links to all those things in the show notes. Um, again, as folks are listening to this, the book will be coming out very soon. And probably if it's not already, by then it should be available for pre-order on uh, on Amazon and some of those places. Oh, yeah. It's available for pre-order right now. And if you pre-order, I have a free training as a gift to, ha- to help you design your creative purpose. Very cool. Uh, so if you pre-order, be- yeah, so before July 28th, you get that free training. Uh, so we will put links to all of that in the show notes. Maho, it's been such a delight talking with you. Before we go, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or, or maybe just some encouragement uh, in getting things done and making a life that matters? What would you say to her? I would say take at least one mindful deep breath a day, (laughs) you know, Mm. if you can, you know, one deep breath with full mindfulness, if you can do that at least once a day, you've grounded in yourself, in your body, in your presence, and that's really going to support you in developing a better connection to yourself. Excellent advice and probably something all of us can use in these interesting times we're living in. Mm -hmm. Maho, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for all the work you do. I am so glad that Maho took the time to talk with me for all our benefit. I am grateful to her for sharing her thoughts on how she's making a life that matters for the insight and information and suggestions that she offered for the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Maho or for me about the things we talked about or any suggestions, thoughts, ideas about the things that we talked about? I'd love to hear from you and you can share those questions, ideas, thoughts in the comment section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 302. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, as always, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com or leave a voice message on the website because I'm uh, there's a button you can click there and I'd always love to hear your voice. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Look for the link to the um, quiz that Maho is offering that we can use to discover our creative feminine power. And if you pre-order her book, Break the Good Girl Myth, before it is released officially on July 28th of 2020. So if you're listening before that and you are as interested in the book as I am, I definitely will be pre-ordering just because I'm real interested uh, to hear more about the things that she's talked about. Uh, If you pre-order it, you can receive a free training to help you design your creative purpose by going to goodgirlmyth.com. And again, there'll be a link to that in the show notes, uh, as well as to her website and some of the other things we talked about. Be sure to check that out. 
Uh, And I think that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Maho. I hope you found it as encouraging and enlightening as I did. I hope you found something in it that was helpful to you or encouraging. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.